There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. <laughs> I love your podcast. Nice. <laughs> That's actually happened to me at a party. Someone's come up to me. He's like, I recognize your voice. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Listen, get yourself a deal. Like one of those like voiceover deals, man. <laughs> you need that. No, bro. And the guy was like, yo, I've listened to your podcast. I've told you about this, Alex. Remember? Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. I was in a party in East London and some guy came up to me. He's like, I've been to your live show. I was like, what the fuck? It's like, no, have you listened to podcasts? You've been to our show. We're in the middle of fucking East London, like randomly. I had uh, a girl come up on the street to me and was like, oh, I really like your podcast. It was someone that mm. I actually interacted with Twitter before, but I didn't know her. Mm. I didn't actually know her face in that. Um, I liked a couple of her tweets and probably retweeted that, but you know, she's cool online and shit. And oh, I love your podcast. And I'm there like, the fuck? Because <laughs> I had my headphones on. And so the way she came up to me, I assumed I owed her money. <laughs> You're like, shit, I'm sorry. And welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? The podcast where we claim to answer questions like what's up with trees and why is the sky blue? And then we never do. Why is that, Alex? Look, yeah, um, <laughs> for the first episode, we had a dream. We had an idea. But then the podcast got too good at sort of being different. <laughs> and I actually never came up with an alternate introduction. So people listen to it and they're like, oh, is this like, you know, where you answer questions and stuff? And <laughs> like Hannah has, you know, actually shown no. We don't do we that. Don't. We don't. We don't. We raise more questions <laughs> raise for the world. That is sort of our brand. Yeah. That's the that's the J to knowledge. We, yeah. <laughs> right. In the, <laughs> asking the right questions. In the studio with me today, I have Sahail Patel, journalist and video content creator and professional dinosaur. We found out today. What? It's true. It's true. I have a lot Wait, of experience. Explain. I have a lot of experience. Credentials. Were you in Jurassic Park? <laughs> I was. I didn't get the role that time, but mm, that doesn't sound like you're very professional. Which, which dinosaur is, were you? I was the one with the claws and the hands. The one that eats Yoshi, the in the toilet. Yoshi, that's it. Yoshi that's the dinosaur. What, what he's really <laughs> saying is that if we take him right now, ground him up, we can use it to power a lot of cars and a lot of homes. Is this true. a nerd reference that I'm not getting? Bro, it's how petrol is made. It's petrol. <laughs> That's a proper science joke. That's something I wouldn't normally get. This because I'm <laughs> actually fuels? not really a nerd. I'm just an imposter nerd. That's true. <laughs> Aren't we all? 
we also have Oz Ismail, who's a comedy genius and awesome best friend and who's just got back from New York. I have. I've been promoting us in the States. I haven't. I've just been chilling. <laughs> what but you did you sing that song? <laughs> New York, New York. No, I, I, last time I did. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, so I've you been... are a nerd, just off a musical variety. Yeah, I'm just like a gay nerd. Like gay nerd is my brand, so... You know, uh, so what did I do? I did go and see a musical, actually. Oh, was there. Nice. Uh, I saw some uh, amazing friends and uh, yeah, I, I I promoted the podcast. I did some Instagram stories because Alex let me onto the onto the account. Oh, nice. You did four. <laughs> hey, listen, OK, the last time I was in America, mm. as much as I hate the dating apps, I used it to promote the podcast. Why do you think the listens in America went up when I was in Portland? It's true. They went up by about 8,000. <laughs> Actually, you were busy. <laughs> Fucking hell, son. Actually. Man's on lock. <laughs> actually, if we, uh, if I take a look at the stats uh, in and around Portland, you'll see they went up by exactly seven. Oh. So uh, what does that say? Hey, don't slut shame me, okay? <laughs> that's, that's good, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether Alex numbers. is slut shaming you or saying that like that number should be higher. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this is like your James Franco comment, but never mind. No, I'm just, <laughs> just saying, zero techers. Hey. And finally, we have Alex Lathbridge, the amazing producer of this podcast. Alex and Oz just also happen to be doing PhDs, apparently. But, you know, we're not going to talk we about that. We don't talk about that because no. he's in the worst stage right now. Writing. What? We don't talk about that shit. <laughs> So, what have we all been doing this week? Uh, sleeping. Good. That was fun. I enjoyed the sleeping stuff. Sleeping is good. I, I've been trying to sleep. Yeah. I've, I've spent like the last three days dismantling furniture, reassembling furniture, packing, moving boxes and unpacking and everything hurts. Wait, didn't you mm. move like I've been moving. Ago. I've been moving for three <laughs> weeks, but this, this weekend was like the move. Today. Like as in I started sleeping in the new house. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. How's that? My new room has like a blind that isn't particularly opaque and w the sun wakes me up. So I heard this one fact, basically. You when you sleep in a new place for the first time, that half your brain stays awake. Is that true? I think that's dolphins. No, no, Jenny. <laughs> no, no, Jenny, I read this. That half your brain stays awake because it's like a safety thing, isn't it? Wait, or like like fight or flight? Yeah, it's like when you sleep in a new place, you won't oh, get fully predators restful are going to come and get you. All right. Yeah, predators, like child predators and stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Fuck. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, listen, the best comedy Fuck. is controversial. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Are you awake now? Oz? Are you awake? <laughs> Wake up, motherfucker! I watched this Yay. fucked up documentary. No, no, no. So, um, uh, BBC Four. What I was gonna say is, if About... that if if that fact is <laughs> correct. I will keep it in. <laughs> if it isn't, I will not. So I, can, I can imagine you not getting as restful a night's sleep in a new place. I'm not so sure about half your brain staying awake. Science. I'm looking at the neuroscience person here. I mean, I also, if you travel to a place the first time, then that journey seems a lot longer in your mind. And But when you do the journey over a period of time, your brain 
that adjusts and your perception of time is adjusted. I, if this fact is in fact correct, you will hear it. Mm. If it wasn't correct, <laughs> you will have not heard this section. So me saying it is actually kind of moot. But I just want you to know, you hearing it right now means it has gone through like a layer of quality check. Memory. Anyway, I even forgot we did that. Swiftly on. Also, what have you been up to this week? I have been away. I've been in America. I went. I just popped over to New York for the weekend. As you do. That's 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 the life I live now. Really? <laughs> You're so bougie. How many? days no. were you there for? Uh, I went there on Friday and I came back this morning and so came straight here. Wow. Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, it's just a yes, thing. it's Tuesday. Oh, thank God. It's a thing thing that I do now. I just pop over casually. Darling, just we're going to New York. Right, you know, gonna get staying, some in, pastrami. staying in Brooklyn because <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's, well, no, it was nice. I went to see, like, I have a lot of friends there and uh, I went to see them and hung out with them and it was really great. Ah, oh, that's nice. Where are your friends? I mean, that's why I'm a, I'm like transatlantic now. <laughs> I just fly back and forth to see my friends. This it's is the life I lead. I, I hope my friends are grateful for this. We are very grateful for your presence. Oh, thanks. And Alex, what have you been up to this week? What have I been doing? Um, oh, me and Sahel, we're on um, radio. Oh yeah, yeah, shit. Wow. Yeah. You yeah. said I'm bougie. Tell us, tell us about this. Basically, we were on the radio. Yeah, we're on BBC London. BBC London, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, no, we're Sunny and show. Yeah. Wait, show. we're not like on the news or something for doing something terrible. I know, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it wasn't like crime watch any shit. This right? is what happens when uh, you leave the country. <laughs> and it wasn't exactly our target audience. <laughs> it was exactly our target audience, but we will get there. No, so. it was, it was, it was jokes. We had good fun. Anyway, no, we had a good. It was good. We had a good time, and it was uh, enjoyable. They invited us back on, so yeah, yeah, yeah they invited. Oh. Yeah, we're gonna do the whole. You're gonna have your own Ooh. show. Gonna Listen up for us on the radio. Oh yeah, we're gonna yeah. drop out Sahel and bring you two in. Yeah, it's true. We are. We are yeah. gonna do that. Yeah, we are actually doing I'm, that. A liability. <laughs> <laughs> So there's been quite a lot of news in the last few months of, I think it's now two thirds of single Brits in their 20s live with their parents, um, half of 20 to 25 year olds. Okay, so there's one side of it that's mm. like, you mm. know, yes, the housing situation is iffy, housing isn't affordable, housing in certain locations like London is really unaffordable. Other areas of the country are almost as bad as London and people don't get any of the subsidies they get in London. And there's, there's all that. That's problematic. But equally, I find like the discourse that like living at home is in, like with your parents is inherently bad, is, you know, inherently holding people back. Culturally quite problematic. I feel like, do you know when you take me out, right? I, if I, if you live in, no, no, do you know the show, take me out? If I, if I, no. like, I just, I'm reticent to say I live with my parents because it's like, if you go and take me out and you say, oh, I live with my parents, every motherfucking light is telling you. That is the question that crops up under disagree on OK Keep It the most of any question. The thing is, I've lived out for a long time and I, I, I found myself living back at home two years ago, similar to like Alex mm. finishing your PhD, moving back, finish my training scheme, move back. And I've been back at home since, um, and I, and you know, it's not our choice at first. But I feel it's really difficult to get your own place in the current mm -hmm. economic climate, the industry that we're in, mm -hmm. freelancing. There's a lot mm -hmm. of different variables. So, so I think there's a what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of judgment around that. I feel yeah. you know, but like you, you said. Do you see it as a negative? Or do I see it as a negative? I see it as personally because obviously I'm living at home. I don't see mm. it as a negative. I can understand the circumstances in which someone might want to live at home mm. uh, or might be might have not have another choice but mm -hmm. to live at home. But I, I can understand that there is um, 
a, a certain, especially again, it's a cultural thing mm. where living at home f- uh, is f- kind of frowned upon, or, or you, people look down at you. Down on people might look down on you if you do live at home. Mm. Uh, but personally, I don't have that sentiment. If anything, while I was at first reticent to move home, but the more I've lived at home, the more I've actually seen the benefit of this extra prolonged period with my family mm. who you know when I do eventually leave which will be for good I'm I'm glad I had this extra time mm. so fuck you know I don't know people judge me but it's it's up to them isn't it, to do that if they want so I live with my sister and my brother-in-law um and I guess it's like home it's kind of like living at home but also like having housemates who like you actually want to live with uh, <laughs> okay so um I'd like to jump in on that because mm-hmm. uh, when I when we came back from from Portland, went back to your home, right? Walked in, your sister had put bunting up. Oh! All right, all right. <laughs> Saw all of your shelves with post-it notes on, saying, "Ah, oh, there's food in here. There's this in oh, my here." My favorite foods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she is your mother. Right. She's basically she's practice. She's I'm her practice child. But then I feel like we're each other's parent because like we moved out of home when we were teenagers mm. and my sister and I lived together in the city for a while and then she went to university and I came here for university mm. so like now we like we've always had this like we look out for each other type thing mm. yeah you know so yeah. for me it's like it is like living at home and it helps me because so I live it's her house and like I rent off my sister yeah and it helps me out while I'm a student to save some money so that mm. eventually I can actually go and find my own place mm. how much are you paying in rent can you say I pay 500 pounds a month fuck you know I mean, I'm paying less than you. <laughs> there's, there's some interesting sort of opinion pieces um, from I think economists or anthropologists um, that say that sort of living with your family as an adult helps you have an adult relationship with them going forward as well, um, which is definitely something I found. So I moved back in with my parents a year ago when I went mm. freelance, um, having lived on my own in a gorgeous studio flat in Cheltenham for two and a half years. Um, what I like about this is all of us are like, yeah, we live with our parents, but we can fucking do it alone. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Just to confirm. Like, I did it for six months. <laughs> <laughs> I did it in America, you guys, just saying if you didn't realise. Uh, but like, I sort of feel similar to what Oz is saying. Like, I... And, uh, I'm probably going to lose some friends over this, but like my parents are genuinely the least annoying housemates I've ever lived with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like living with other people is hard, and actually yeah, living true. with them, like, I just don't see it as like something that should have stigma mm. like attached to it. I pay rent, I cook for them. Mm. Yeah, I'm also thoroughly spoiled. But um, but, but do you also think like the there's also there's one thing like living with other people, but also mm. some. People do it because some people genuinely don't want to live by themselves. Right? Yeah, yeah. People want that company. They want yeah. to go home and like be around other people. I, I, I found like I, as much as I loved having my own space, yeah. I str- really struggled with the loneliness. Oh, really? Um, See, like for me, I was I loved I'm living so by myself. Wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got nobody. That's hit track from Wal- Walnut. Hit <laughs> <laughs> track from Mr. Cashew himself. <laughs> I, I will have no acorn slander. Anyway, but I used to suffer from loneliness actually living in Manchester. It's very difficult. Actually, mm. You guys drink. need to just be learn to be with yourself. Listen, I started playing World of Warcraft. That's how deep shit got. No, no, no. I was no, so no. lonely. But no, I feel as though there's something there because all three of us were living alone in England. Loneliness, especially in the UK where it's the, the weather. You know, in the US, like Portland. I mean, the weather in Portland was the same. I don't know what it is about 
I think it's more when you do then engage with people outside of your house, people, because it's a smaller place, people have time for you. Whereas you step out in London, people will just like, you know, step over your body, mm, yeah. I feel. Mm. I, I would step over your body. And so the latest stats um, on this are from 2017. And um, you can see there's sort of like a massive shift and a massive difference between um, men and women. You know, at the age of 15, you know, almost 100% of... Um, you know, both men and women still live at home, right? Um, but as the age increases, you can see there's like a, a shift. So by the time your uh, people are 20, 60% of men still live at home, whereas only 49% of women. And so you see that seems quite close, but it really gets interesting because by the time you hit 29, 21% of men still live with their parents. Only 7% of women do. That's really interesting because I feel like there's more stigma attached to men living at home. Really? Yeah. The, um, I've been having lots of chats about this because of the fact that it seems to crop up on dating sites a lot. Um, that like living at home is problematic. And people have been like, oh, well, it's not an issue if it's a woman. And it's like almost it's not seen as a reflection on your character. Being on a gender stereotypes, but men are meant to be seen as like self-sufficient providers, aren't they? Mm. It's like a sign of masculinity. It's like, you know, you, you, you put falafel on the table, right? Like, that's 21st century, right? Um, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? So I do understand. Falafel on the table. Falafel on the table is vegan, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but I can see where you're coming from, but mm. it surprises me that stat actually, that 7% mm. more women tend to move out. Maybe is there something to do with women to get married earlier or something or I mean getting serious relationships earlier or yeah I mean th again this this these stats don't mm. really uh help here mm. um mm. but um yeah so I mean look 21% of men still living at home compared to 7% of women mm. by the time of 29 so that's what one in five versus like one in 14 one in 15 mm, yeah. and so you can see how that's it's a lot more normalized like you were saying Anecdotally, I think there is a cultural, like there are cultural differences in how much stigma is attached to living with family. So I found when I first moved back home um, that generally, you know, my friends who are from, um, you know, black or Asian cultural backgrounds were just sort of like, oh, cool. Yeah, you know, you must be enjoying, you know, and it would be like if they did make a comment, it would be something like, oh, you must be enjoying your mom's cooking again. Or, you know, oh, you, you must be really enjoying being back with your parents. Whereas, a lot of my friends who are sort of white English were like, oh, so when do you think you'll be able to move out? Um, and similarly, that sort of happened again now that I'm moving, that I've moved with my parents. Mm. You know, a lot of people have been like, oh, are you finally moving out? And it's like, no, I'm moving with them. Um, mm. And for less than the rent that I probably pay for a box room somewhere in London, I've got a really nice room and an office. You know, and I just, to me, I just don't see... I, I don't see a downside to it in the way that a lot of people sort of automatically do. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a taboo thing, isn't it? Mm. And pragmatically, it makes sense. You're right, because I'm in a similar situation. It's mm. like, why am I paying £700 to just about live somewhere with the stress that brings when I can live at home and that mm. gives me flexibility in my career and what I'm doing? Um, and, you know, I see it as a short-term trade-off. Yeah, mm. There is that stigma and, and, and you know, I have to live with that. But in the end, you know, I have faith in the vision but mm. you know it is difficult to explain that to people when i had friends are like oh you should move out you know i think you should move out and this that and the other and i'm like 
when you don't know what my plan is mm. so it is difficult but i think just having that conversation with people is a good mm. way of getting over that isn't it i feel like also maybe the like age mm. plays into it like the, the, mm. the older you are people like expect you to just have, like true. have moved out and like have you because i certainly mm. as the oldest person here i yeah. feel that's yeah, like, we, like that pressure he's like 26 <laughs> wise old sage 26 with the skin of a 18 year old i'm kidding oh my god i'm moist, We're not moisturized talk about lampshades <laughs> <laughs> oh no anyway um you know so like i feel like that plays into massively mm. and it plays into my I th maybe part of it's like i put pressure on myself because mm. i'm like you know i need to i feel like i need to get yeah my place, i think you know? there are benefits of having your own place in the sense especially if you're adult because you have great autonomy over yourself and your life you know living at home you still got to be respectful that it's your parents house isn't it and i think i think that that's element. it it's, a, it's yeah. like it's not just your space you have to be respectful of yeah. who owns the space and yeah. like what how they want to live yeah. and it's it's different it's not it's not it's not difficult it's just different mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. look let's say we're all trying to say it's very difficult to fuck in your parents house. <laughs> i mean as a single <laughs> hey listen yeah that's not a fun thing to have to worry about in my situation right now. <laughs> <As> in, <laughs> I mean, whoa. As in, I ain't getting any to begin with, man. Oh, yeah. So we ain't got to worry about that. That's your situation, bro. Yeah. That's your situation. Yeah, okay. Well, we that... all find ways. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, um, it's only having grown up and seeing, like, a lot of my friends, you know, who um, are perhaps students in London or now live in London and have come from somewhere else. Mm. And, you know, it being very normalized for them that i have now become to question it because growing up i you know family both here and in like ghana and stuff you know like you could live at home for as long as you require because it makes sense to mm -hmm. like if you are why would you put money into someone else's pocket when if you have the resources to live at home and they have you know to contribute um you can do that rather than take money give it to someone else and not save up um, to get a place of your own like it's sort of like keeping the wealth within mm. the family it's I guess. pragmatic isn't it it makes more sense from an economic point of view yeah. but it's, again it's just a cultural thing isn't it mm. in western culture you leave the house and you buy your own place and you start your own family and um, whereas in asian culture specifically i'm talking from experience here it's like the family unit it stays together people live near each other mm. You the house next door comes up. You buy the house next door. You make it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like legitlegitly. That's yeah. That's what we do. So so um, my, 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 oh shit. So um, my mother uh, decided one day. Um, so like we were chatting, and she was like, "Oh, you know what's really really good? Um, you know the Asians." And I was like, "Okay, mm. please elaborate." This is, <laughs> no, this, this is how everything. This is how every racist is conversation. This, is this going on the podcast? <laughs> this is definitely going on. There. Um, no, she's like, oh, you know, it's really good because very, very clever. I'm not going to do an accent because my parents didn't survive, you know, two military coups and a famine for me to come here and mock uh, how they sound some of the time. Um, but, you know, it's really clever how in, in Tooting specifically, I'm um, just talking about all the Asians people, you know, all the people there, um, all the Asian people there tend to buy up like streets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you've got real community living mm -hmm. because you have people that you know and you can rely on for child care, for food, to take care of one another. And, you know, to me, while it looks weird, like to me, that makes sense because like I'm thinking back to like to family in Ghana and stuff and you have like a compound, you know, you have mm -hmm. 
a large house, you have an area where lots of people live. You know, it might be gated off, it might not be, you know, but having that compound where you have lots of different people living there, it makes sense. So it, there is that small community, like, you know, yeah, you Yeah, it also makes for good, um, for good dramas as well, family dramas. I was going to say it's good for, like, sharing the biryani. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, did you hear what Akti did? It's like, shh, nobody cares. No, but it's, saying, it's back in, like, back in Sri Lanka where uh, my parents live. They, like their siblings live quite close to each other and you know it's very much the case mm -hmm. okay it's yeah, it's helpful for like childcare and stuff but you're right it's high people drama shit, man. yeah yeah people's shit's going down yeah you know you know everyone's <laughs> shit and they know you're it's it's yeah not optimal um, so one of the things i was going to say is when i was when i was living like either with housemates or um on my own like my family in singapore found this really strange because pretty much all my cousins have gone like from parental home to marital home and even though singapore is you know generally quite like westernized in terms of how people live um because it's so small like you know it doesn't matter where you're working or studying in the country you can live at home and it was really interesting actually having to like explain to people that no i had to live alone and couldn't live at home because my work was four hours away from my parents house. Mm -hmm. um but i think there are like there are practical benefits apart from money as well so with my health problems like i re like there is a big difference between like your parents or other family members looking after you and like housemates looking after you when you're sick for example like i always found like every time i'd have to ask a housemate to like get me food or whatever like it felt like a massive favor whereas like I find I get better a lot quicker now I'm living with my parents because I have food. I'm not having to subsist on cereal because I don't have the energy to cook. And so I think there's there's so many benefits to communal living. Funny you say that because I remember when I was living in Manchester alone, I, I got really ill sometimes and like to the point where I was like literally shaking and stuff. Mm. I was like on my own. I was like, fuck, I'm going to die. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like, this is how I die. Tell my mom. You know what I mean? It's like, I just <laughs> no like, one's had to tell. And then it was like three, you know, it's like three in the morning. You're like, shit, there's no one here. What the mm -hmm. fuck? Like, so there's a time where I was going through really bad back problems. And I couldn't walk properly. So I had to go get food. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like a 10 minute walk to the shop. It took me half an hour. It was like, I was like holding onto the lamppost, like, oh my god, this is life. <laughs> like, you know, Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at you. No, no, it's genuinely. Laugh at your downfall. No, no, it's a hilarious mental picture. It's pretty, it's pretty funny, but uh, you so, know. So, so I never knew this, uh, and so. I feel really bad because when you told me that you got robbed, I was there like, oh man, you know, these things happen. But now you tell me that you were also going through horrendous back pain. I feel yeah, really bad. That now. was a shitty time, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And it's like the people broke to my house, nicked everything except for my guitar. So I just sat, sat there and sat, <laughs> sat some. They robbed my house. Dude, it's that blues and shit. Why well, wait for the police? That's sad times. Yeah. Old Town Road. The police took like nine hours. It's crazy. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> so, Alex, you've done some research into why living at home has become demonized. Yeah, and um, it's actually really interesting because I think we've sort of talked around it before. Um, it's basically some people think it's really media perception so um it's like this real american perspective has been exported um and where it's this idea of like independence equaling success so being able to like be your own self-made person and so like cutting yourself off from your parents having independence that kind of stuff has been like perpetuated through the media the american dream yeah and like Mm. that kind of stuff has been exported globally Mm. um so even if it doesn't match with you culturally, you know, you then start seeing it. And you're like, oh, well, this is normal. I see it on TV. Oh, this is normal. Mm. Now my TV, now the programming that I make here is now reflecting that, you know, even if it isn't true, mm. it becomes, it starts to become like there. I find that really interesting because the, like the two thirds figure mm. that like two thirds of single people in Britain under 30 are living at home. I didn't expect that. Like you look around and you think it's much lower. Like I don't feel like that many people are living at home. And I think there is almost a media perception there or maybe even a London centric perception there. But isn't that um, driven from the fact that it's unaffordable to to not yeah but what i mean is you know from the people i know the people i talk to Mm. the perception from media news Mm -hmm. general popular culture you get the impression that most young people have moved out right right do you see what i mean like as in the reality doesn't actually match the perception right yeah and like speaking of perception like it's quite interesting because a lot of media actually gets it wrong and actually really simplifies it this Mm. they conflate the idea of living with versus living off mm-hmm. so you know when people like you were saying on was it okay cupid they were saying mm. about the idea of like oh if you live with your parents and stuff like mm. in some cases people assume oh you're living off your parents oh especially with men men living at home and stuff you know um at least i found talking to people it's like you know the uh, there's that sentiment that oh you haven't made it mm-hmm. um at least with me it's like oh you know uh oh so when you you know get a real job you you'll be able to move out and stuff so it's that idea that success uh, the fact that you're living you know with your parents means that you're mm. not you haven't got life in order you know what mm. i mean yeah mm. it's going back to what i said before isn't it it's like you have your own plans and it's people second guessing you being like listen man you don't know what the fuck's going on in my life you don't mm. need to pry away you're not needed oh, i appreciate your advice if you're saying oh maybe you should move out etc but at the end of the day you know to be where we're at now 
in this specific industry mm-hmm. and to get, excel at it, you have to make sacrifices. And some of that is having a shitty place to live mm-hmm. or maybe living with your parents as a, as a compromise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's just being understanding of that. And But at the end of the day, I think we should live in a society that we're living in is also largely to rain because there are problems with house prices, with mm. getting access to affordable housing. You know, you've got companies lobbying councils to reduce the amount of affordable housing they're, mm. they're providing. So you need to say, all right, cool, that's that's an institutional problem. That's a problem with government and, you know, bureaucracy and stuff mm. like that. So, so th- um, just a few stats, like... In the UK, the estimate is that a single person needs 18 grand to live on their own, like each year to live on their own in a wow. rented flat, 27 grand in London, mm. and that the average person saves seven grand by living with their parents each yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And I think. And I, I feel like even like, even those figures, they're just like average figures, aren't they? Because I just yeah. feel like re- realistically, even if you earn 27 grand in London, I don't think you can live by yourself. Yeah, like I, the, the highest I've ever earned in London was. 24 and I was living at uh, actually I was living just outside of London and once you added in commuting costs yeah, and stuff that was it's no, not, it was tough yeah I just I just even those figures like yeah. and those probably like quite average figures aren't mm. they so let's talk about what we really want to talk about so ju- just quickly with the sort of living with versus living off mm-hmm. I think something that ignores as well that almost like dichotomy there is that parents can benefit by having an extra person contributing something towards rent you know chipping in with the cooking looking after younger siblings you know i think there's sort of going beyond our own situations there are all sorts of benefits that they can have by having a grown-up child in the house Mm. or in my sister's case free babysitting yes define (laughs) grown-up (laughs) there's this idea i think they've they've looked at it from an american's perspective sociologically taking like 19th and 20th century um sort of immigration into the u.s Mm -hmm. so in we've talked about you know from a cultural background people living like um sort of like in a community sort of community Mm -hmm. living and stuff um so having your extended family around you, multi-generational living like in one household and stuff. And whereas they might come from cultures where they do that, when they come to the US, um, people actually start living as they do in the US. Sort of, you know, that independence um, and sort of splitting off and not living with the extended family stuff. And they think there's sort of two real reasons why or they, they sort of there are two models into how they might or might not achieve that so they might live um independently or might not and the first is like something called linear assimilation so basically what that does is it's saying okay once you get into the country you know you come from somewhere else you can once you come into the us there's like this steady generational transition so like within two or three generations um you start taking on like the cultural characteristics of the natives so you start like you know if not your children then your grandchildren your great-grandchildren will start to be like that and you know you can see that in some places you know you can start to see that you know now people who've come from like you know i know people who've come from like west africa and stuff you know parents or grandparents and stuff um who are now very much like you know living that black british narrative mm-hmm. which is you know potentially some people are starting to live you know live um independently mm. Um, but then there's also this idea of segmented simulation. So that implies that if you are, um, if you've come from a place that, you know, potentially does have extended like family living together, um, you might not necessarily just go, oh yeah, come to this country. We're going to do what they do. Um, it's the idea that you actually different groups, different ethnic groups or different like 
sociological groups will um, like slot into different places in society, yeah. and so it can find that like certain um, cultural values of like certain groups can become like stubborn, or they can be stubborn about it. Mm. And so the idea that um, you know you see things like resistance strategies, so what they call like enclave living, which is like you know what you can see and what we've talked about, mm. like you know certain groups, like I know for instance like Balham, Mitcham, you know a lot Norwood, like Thornton Heath, you know, a lot of these places, a lot of African, a lot of West African, like, you know, those areas are mm, like, mm. you know, that's enclave where people come to a new country, they're going to live around people that, you know, they know and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if, is it East London or is it West, is it is West London, right, for Asians, right? It's everywhere. But it's, there's pockets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like enclaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we like Ilford is a really good example mm. of what mm. has been an Asian enclave. Mm -hmm. Um, and but you see that that's happened in phases there's an Irish enclave before mm. and now it's becoming an Eastern European enclave as people from uh, uh, from originally from Ilford move further out and you look at places like Chigwell now and that's an Asian enclave but for very like wealthy Asians for example so it's little pockets all around mm. uh, London I'd say for Asian people specifically but traditionally East London so there's there's some interesting sort of international differences um, in sort of percentage of young people living at home and I sort of picked out a few interesting ones. Um, so in Europe, there's been a drop since 2008, 2008 across sort of the whole continent. Uh, but Italy is the one exception where it's actually risen. Um, so 18 to 34 year olds, 65% are living at home and three quarters of those living at home are men. Mm. Um and that really has been attributed to sort of a Mediterranean culture of family being very, very important. Mm. Um, but there's still a stigma attached. So a lot of the men who are living at home are called sort of mama's boys mm. in Italian, um, which I find interesting that sort of, you know, clashing there still being a bit of stigma, but also this is culturally important to us. Egypt, um, there's still a lot of stigma against anyone sort of moving out before marriage. Um, I found some interesting interviews of people who's, you know, they wanted to move out and their parents were actually quite sort of, you know, liberal and modern and were happy for them too, mm. but they couldn't actually find accommodation mm. or they had to sign clauses saying they wouldn't have anyone of the opposite sex over to visit as part of their tenancy. Wow. Which is fine wow. for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you'd be absolutely fine living in Egypt, Tom. <laughs> uh, no, I, was, I, was, I feel as though they're, no, 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 no. I was, I was, there are other situations. Yeah. All right. It's not tenancy. All right. All right. Let me live. <laughs> Let me live. I feel, like, I feel, yeah. I feel as though the Egyptian government might have a very <laughs> different issue with you. Oh, he's not living with women. <laughs> oh, he's not living with women. <laughs> oh, he's not living with women. Oh my God. China is an interesting one um, because it's now up to like 70% of Chinese millennials are homeowners compared to 31% in the USA. And this has been traced to the one child policy because it means that there are families where you have two sets of grandparents and a set of parents with a single heir. So those six people can pool their resources into making sure that their child slash grandchild is able to own a property. Wow. And this is sort of, this is another contribution to this is the fact that because of the one child policy and boys being valued more than girls, there are now 30 million more single men than women on the Chinese dating market and owning a property is seen as improving a man's prospects. Mm. Mm -hmm. Man, I feel bad for those dudes. 
Pay for well um, profit. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, whereas this actually like it con- contrasts quite sort of nicely with in Hong Kong, seventy six percent of eighteen to thirty five year olds live at home, which is partly because it's one of the world's most expensive cities, which sort of circles back to what we were yeah, talking about at the beginning. It's like London. London is ridiculously expensive. Yeah, oh, it's so expensive. Like, yeah, you know the stuff you see in certain properties. It's like how am I paying money for this? You got mold. Mm. You've got like damp. And you want me to live in a cupboard under the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm not here for that Harry Potter bullshit. All right. This I is- think, yeah, I think the problem is, is actually recently there has been a fall in, and well, there hasn't been a fall, but the the the, the rate at which house prices are growing uh, in London is starting to fall. But saying that, uh, house price rises are still outpacing wage growth in many parts of the UK, not just London. And that is what is causing a lot of problems. So the rate at which house prices are increasing is more than the weight rate at which wages is increasing. Mm. So that's ultimately what it comes down to is that, you know, there's a finite amount of houses and wages are shrinking so it's harder to get but is it finite place. amount of houses or like it's finite amount of affordable yeah houses. affordable there's houses. a lot there's a lot of houses in london there's a lot of properties uh, yeah, in london which def- are empty define right? define affordable that's a contentious yeah, thing there, there are well. two hundred thousand empty homes in the uk <clears throat> that's but the thing is is a lot of and this is another story i've worked on uh, for the news but in london and specifically there's a problem with kleptocracy and people using mm. money uh houses as a store of value uh, and that is a big problem. It's like people invest money. The London becomes a lightning bolt for this very dubious money flowing into into the UK, uh, and it's, it's, it ends up in these houses where you don't know who owns it. It's done through offshore holding companies. If you look at the Panama Papers, a lot of that was around uh, these very dubious companies buying up bit large properties in the UK, and they were often linked back to you know like oil barons or like ministers in. Uh, oil rich countries for example so wow. it's very the what we're seeing and what we're experiencing mm. in our daily lives actually linked to larger institutional problems that we were kind of touched on before you know, wasn't it? if you've got ministers if you've got you know oil barons if you've got heads of state all around the world even you know people in the uk who are buying these properties um and using them sort of like short-term ices because while property around the world um you know it wax and wanes values go up and down you know in london they're they pretty much stay the same there's very little like it's change. constantly increasing yeah it's just... so investing in property here is actually a pretty good way of storing money um, yeah it, and a secretive way because until the Panama papers we can you couldn't link a lot of this stuff yeah uh because it was done through all these kind of shady companies but that's part of the problem as well and again it, it is also to do with government um mm. policy around this issue as well over 200,000 empty homes in the UK and over 20,000 of those are in London Shit. with a further 25,000 in the commuter belt around London mm. wow either it's unaffordable or those houses are owned by people who are using them you know a few times a year rather than living in them continuously That's so the question I want to know is what is affordable housing what constitutes as affordable housing is it actually affordable I think something that's interesting is I know a lot of people who've come up against that thing of, you know, 
going through referencing checks and being told oh you can't afford to live in this mm. like property mm-hmm. and they're like well what else am i spending my money on i need to live in london to mm. go to work so yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be for example more than half of my salary is going to go on my rent every month and mm. it's interesting that that's you know it's perceived as unaffordable and rightly so i don't think that you know that shouldn't be the case but there's also the thing of like people will find a way to make it work if they really Mm. need to. So I think something quite interesting off the back of that. Have you heard of something called Property Guardians? Yes, Yes, I have. One of my friends lived in a guardianship, actually. No, I haven't. Tell me about this. Okay, so um, Property Guardians are basically what you do is you live in, um, like, in, not abandoned, but, like, unused property. So, like, the the idea of it, like, the tagline of it is essentially it's like a win-win. So, landowners, they can, like, they can secure their buildings, right? So, somewhere that isn't being used, you know, say an unused property one of those unused properties mm-hmm. um in london or in the country or you know a factory or whatever right um it doesn't have to be homes it could be urban spaces all of that um you know landowners they can secure those places and then guardians those are people you know they come in and they can benefit from cheaper living costs so it can be you know 200 300 pounds a month in somewhere like london you know mm-hmm. and you get to live in somewhere like you know pretty decent because these properties are going to be in like easy to access areas sometimes um and so you know these spaces are used people have place to live but in exchange in exchange for that um what you have is as a guardian you have um like you have no comfort of like and the security you don't have the comfort and security of like a traditional tenancy agreement because what you have is guardian licenses and some of the like common license rules include no overnight visitors and no more than two friends on site at any time and speaking to the media is prohibited and wait so this is like a legal thing that yep. people are doing wow. so think about it you're living in a place to secure the place it's not like the landowners are paying you the property owners are paying you. you're paying them for the ability to secure their place you know otherwise they might have squatters or you know whatever so guardians they don't have the right to solely occupy any part of the building so that means that you know they they're always going to be with other people in there any part of the building always going to be other people um and here's the most difficult bit they have to be ready to leave the building at a short notice I know people who've been property guardians and they've had like a week's notice to vacate their homes really Mm. yeah similar actually very recently a friend of mine uh literally she posted a story saying i've got to leave my place and she had to like pack all her stuff in like just a few days and leave and it's like i'd been to her place before and i'd seen the it's like an old office block Mm. um that was kind of waiting for a new buyer she'd been there comfortably for like nearly a year or something in the middle of camden uh, and then suddenly you you got to move and it's like yo that's a difficult thing to do in London it's like just pick up and move luckily she just had a new got a new job so she was pretty good in terms of money mm-hmm. and stuff but it's like if she wasn't if she was kind of in between jobs or you know that she didn't have the money or you know and stuff like that she didn't have the resource to help her that could have been a very difficult situation mm-hmm. to handle so um so talking about it like you know you see these sorts of um like situations and you're like oh you know property gardens they seem like even on paper you know something would be quite good and it was sort of in the past but right now you know these companies that do um property guardianship um and sort of source people for it um they've essentially become new like um new estate agents so what they're trying to do is instead of like one or two or three people to an area 
they've they're putting in like 15 or 16 so essentially it's just becoming incredibly cramped living as cramped if not more cramped mm. than you know other parts of london you know where you're paying 400 500 for a box room mm. and to add to that you don't have the same tenancy rights yeah you know you can be kicked out in like there in some cases where you've had 48 hours all right you so yeah. what's the what's the draw why would you because it's cheaper you, it's cheaper it's cheaper mm. that's it yeah. And if you're coming from somewhere, say you're coming from Edinburgh or, you know, another country or whatever, you know, this is something that you've got to think about. Mm. And yeah, you have you have less rights and it's just, yeah, it's fucked up. And I, I know it's like part of those like rights and problems. People have had issues with sort of like utility supplies as well. So not necessarily having internet or having to use like, you know, a 4G based system rather than sort of a plugged in Wi-Fi web. Mm-hmm. Um or you know own like having to have pay as you go electricity which is more expensive and so there's loads of layers to it yeah um and i think it's often like they really big up how much cheaper it is but they don't talk about the fact that the property owner is massively benefiting like it because i think it reduces some of the tax they pay it you know massively reduces the chances that that property is going to be damaged and or you know vandalized in some way um, so they are gaining by having people in their property. So should you saying it should be equal? The, the, the benefit, cost benefit needs to be kind of spread out a bit more. They just yeah. need to be more transparent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because like some things like, I guess if you look at it and you go, oh, well, I can't have guests and all like, you know, have a party or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's still going to do it, and no one's mm. going to check. But mm. it's the more serious stuff, like the utilities, yeah, and the fact that you have to like vacate so quickly, mm. yeah, that you might not. Yeah. I don't know. That but, might just give you a good excuse if you're antisocial. Listen, can't have people over. Yeah, yeah. can't have a sexy party tonight. <laughs> of, uh, it's against the rules. Against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> We've come to the end of today's episode. How is everyone feeling? Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty sad. Pretty <laughs> no, um, good. I thought you were just going to stop at pretty. Yeah, he's just feeling pretty. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty sad. I mean, no, I just feel like uh, I don't know when I will have my dream of having my own place in London. So maybe I should leave London. Maybe we should That's, all get a place and just... Maybe we should have, like, we, we are not getting what a place. What if we find a studio and live in a studio? Oh, my God, you guys, no. we've solved no. the problem. Listen, no. people, we're going to start this Kickstarter campaign. Was no, it, wasn't it you who, tweet, oh, who tweeted something about how starting a podcast is more commitment than getting married? No, it was... Uh, it was Who was it? I, re- I, was, I retweeted someone's yeah, I tweet. That, yeah. And apparently that was very true. I need to... I can't remember who tweeted that, but it's true. Do you think that you're going to get on the property ladder? And if so, when okay can we circle back to the idea of all four of us living together because that is is exactly that's what the listeners want okay (laughs) they want a one quality content all the time we should live stream exactly 24 7 all this is yeah okay we have what every two weeks we're coming out now (laughs) no 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 every every six hours tune in every live stream yeah yeah why not it won't be science and tech anymore it'll be some battle royale (laughs) on an island yeah this, right. this is sounding like my worst nightmare. Oh my it's just going to be me in a pair of shorts, right. eating some Jaffa cakes, oh. Alex playing a lone guitar <laughs> that you've, you've got left. All right. So, uh, Oz wondering how he got into this space. Yeah. I mean, I would get Oz's right. cooking, which looks amazing. Can you make peanut butter toast? 
That's disgusting. <laughs> and would kill I will me. make you way more nicer stuff. Right. I think it's just scary even talking about how terrible things are currently mm. yeah. um, and how difficult it is as a young person to like get on the ladder mm. and get better and sort of not start your life, but have the life that people sort of mm. see you should have. I think it does feel like we've barely scraped the surface here because like mm. you say that and I want to go, well, I'm not sure whether I want to be on the property ladder. Like I think, I think it takes freedom away from you. I would like to go start a food cart in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Sahel. I was with you until you said Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Sahel. That's where yeah. I live. I think I'm pretty easy going about this. I think luckily in my family, we, we, we're a strong unit. And, you know, if, if my two brothers have got properties, so I'm the next on the line, basically. My competence means that people will help me do it. <laughs> will help me do it. But, but I think, you know, I think I'm confident I will get on there, but I will need help. And I'm conscious that a lot of people don't have that help. They don't have that strong unit around them. And that those are the people that we've got to, you know, you know, I'm impartial, but you know, I think we, the policy needs to change to help people like that. Honestly, for me, I'm not sure, but I'm going to take it one day at a time, and hopefully, at some point in the future, house prices will drop massively, and I can buy them um, and keep them uh, a property. I mean, there's a political event coming up that you know may yeah, crash. <laughs> Property prices. Well, we're True. not going to talk about that. No, I've been Hannah and I've been joined by Alex, Sahail and Oz. Bye. Peace out. See ya. This has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? See you next episode. Bye. Okay, is, one person is not people. One person one time said, uh, I'm like a fat James Franco. And it was equally, it was equally the biggest insult and the greatest, Wait. And the greatest compliment okay, I've ever received. Okay, let's break that down. Because first of all, one person is not people. They're one person. <laughs> Second true. of all, I think that's a pretty good compliment. Why would you get insulted by that? I was, I was a little bit insulted, but then I was like, you know what? That's such a I guess the sweet. fat part was unnecessary. They could have just been it's like, true. you're an Asian James yeah, Franco. I know, but it's true though, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Can't deny reality. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 